This is Sistrionics, the podcast where Pip and Izzy discuss the excitement of hearing Big Ben's bongs and where to find your closest Canadian embassy when fleeing a dysfunctional family. Hello. Happy New Year Happy to you. Happy New Year. It's January. Yeah, do you realise we've been doing this podcast for two years? I thought that as well. Yeah, <laughs> two years, it's crazy. Um, well, it's not crazy. It's not like we churn out <laughs> like two a week. Um, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Um, I always have New Year's resolutions. I try to keep them throughout the year. Can I just <laughs> say how much I like January? Really? Very counterintuitively. I know that's not for everyone. I know sometimes people find January very hard. Big love to you if you do. Um, maybe it's with being um, self-employed and, you know, kind of being a little bit more fast and loose with the old work. I just like it. I like the feeling of like, thank God Christmas is over. <laughs> because I'm coming out of the closet as a Scrooge. <laughs> I don't know, I find this January specifically very rewarding. Mm. And I'm not really sure why. I think it's maybe because 2019 is over. It feels different. Uh, it feels like the start, well, it is the start of a new decade. And uh, more and more as I go through the weeks, I just, I feel energized yeah. to get stuff done. 2020 is a year to get stuff done. And um, do you think as well, it's also that we don't, we know what's going on now? With the yeah. Brexit situation. Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. I think it was such it was such a weight. And now it's like, okay, so you want to carve out your own kneecaps. Listen, you go and do it. I'm mm. not going to have any part of it, but mm. on you go. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> All the best. Yeah. So um, it happened in 2016. Yeah, In June, ago. it's going to be four years yeah, yeah. since the vote. Yeah. Four years. And it was nearly, it was three and a half years of uncertainty. Yeah, it was shit. And, and for us, it It's was, still shit, but at least we know and at least yeah and also i think there's this also like a sense of accountability that was never able yes. to be placed on the actors and those who actually created it every time they came up with a deal the brexiters would run away and be like that's not enough that's not what we want yeah, yeah. and now they're in charge you know i would want that we had a second referendum all of this would have ended and we could have got a new labor government with a brand new way of seeing britain but that's not what we got the Brexiters are now in charge and at least they are going to have to take responsibility and we will hold them to account or at least I hope because I think there is a fear and and, um, there is a fear that they will not take responsibility. Well, they never do and Mm. they never will but it might come to the point where it's like, I don't know, it's hard because part of me, part of me is finding it quite amusing, you know, um, and I know that's awful because let's not forget vulnerable people will will suffer. And with this government being voted back in as well, you know, disabled people will suffer, for example. You know, you will have, you know, people die as a result of austerity and have done over the years. It creates a huge amount of suffering. It's not hyperbolic. It's not dramatic. It's the fucking truth. Um, and... I do, but, you know, watching them fucking scramble to get the bells going (laughs) is um, hilarious, isn't it? (laughs) These, like, overweight, (laughs) red-faced gammon 
threatening to climb up Big Ben himself and ring the bell for freedom and Independence Day. And that's funny. That is fucking funny. They, I mean, they're good value. So part of me, it's like you go online and you read something, it's like, you know, you got the Brexit 50p (laughs) and the festival and you're like, okay, go for it. Listen, listen, you go for it. You have a good time and we'll just piss ourselves laughing because what else can you do with these ridiculous morons? You know, if you're really invested in this and you're... If you think this is a good idea still, and you still can't show any respect for other people then, or, or show that, oh, I recognize this is what I wanted, but I do understand that it's not what other people wanted. That never happens from the Brexiters. Mm. They don't show any, oh, we want to reconcile. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't put any effort into doing that. So we should say that we are recording this in the last week that Britain is officially a member of the European Union. We By are. Friday, we will be out. And what's so strange is that I don't feel the same dread that I did no. last year when we then. were when we were coming around to the thirty first of March mm. and I was scrambling to get all of my application through for German citizenship. Um you know, there was this great sense of like, oh my God, like I can't believe we're actually gonna do this. I can't believe it's actually gonna happen and I can't believe that Britain has been so fucking stupid as to destroy the futures of of generations of British people who were who were going to be crippled by this for generations to come. And there was just a sense of like, just terror. And now I don't know why, I don't know what's happened, but there has been a shift. And I feel like having someone like Boris Johnson in power and not May who can hide behind, well, you know, I thought this was a crap idea, but yeah. I had to do it for the Conservative sure. Party. Yeah. I mean, that has its own set of evils mm. involved with it. But Boris Johnson, you know, this is his thing. Yeah, yeah, and he's it. doing it. And I feel kind of like, finally, someone who actually brought us into this situation is now going to take us through this situation. And at least, you know, when it all comes tumbling down, we can say to them, mm-hmm. you did this all. Yeah. And yeah, my fear is that it's gonna be, we didn't do it enough and we didn't do it hard enough and we should have completely broken away and we shouldn't have had any single trade deal and then we would have been rosy. And yeah, yeah. you know, we should have just put up a wall and then, yeah. and you know, whatever boomers want to do. Get plowing. Like, it's just <laughs> like, I mean, what is their vision? It's just sort of like, we just need to break away completely, like never drink red wine again from yeah. France. Oh, like just, I never liked just, it anyway. I mean, like, what are they thinking mm. is the future of Britain? I don't get it, but there will always be something more that hadn't got done yeah and look out for that kids i mean that is going to be the you see it already in quite a lot of what they talk about um it's never enough this deal isn't good enough they've gotten what they want and it's still not enough and it never will be so you know the blame they already kind of you know have been lining up what will be blamed and it's not them surprise Mm. so also it's young people right so like the people who are going to be affected by brexit are most likely people who have jobs yeah so people who are in work are most likely going to be really affected by more wage stagnation if not wages falling off a cliff um lack of ability to move abroad because their assets don't translate as well as they used to the pound is not going to be as strong um lack of ability to move abroad because they don't have the right to anymore britain was the country that sent the most uh emigrants um 
in the whole of Europe, we mm-hmm. had 4 million people abroad and nearly 2 million of them used to be in the EU or like some of them are still there, most of them are still there, but some of them had to move back. Um, but you know, all of those chances are gonna be taken away from people who are working, like working age people are going to suffer more, like people are gonna lose their jobs in factories where, you know, Honda's like closing down its factory and like factories are gonna close where they don't have the ability to like trade fluidly and completely mm-hmm. with the EU. Um, if customs breaks down, for instance, they're not gonna wanna create stuff in Britain because it has a different custom system than, than the EU. So working age people are gonna be affected. Yeah. We should have really put a trigger warning uh, uh, at the beginning uh, for for the boomers, um, but who don't listen? They don't listen. <laughs> um, my mother might, and she'd be so upset. But not all boomers, not all, not but all most boomers. collectively, and as a voting block, boomers yeah. are a problem. Yeah. So something that also was exciting, and I think our initial reaction. I know to what you're going to say. <laughs> I think our initial reaction to it was sort of like glee in a way but then on the other side again created a huge generational divide was of course Megxit Megxit I fucking it filled it filled me like up with excitement yeah and I I want to kind of get your perspective on this because I don't know if I am just blowing this out of proportion as Mm. to what this symbolizes and blah 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 Mm. but the fact that we have an entire fucking family you know a royal family that symbolizes a country is bonkers in itself so of course it symbolizes something I felt like it was freaking brilliant I thought it was amazing I thought you know what this is her which we can agree with, with the right-wing press. She did do this. Yeah. She showed imagination. Mm-hmm. And that is what we need going forward. Oh, can't do it that way. That's well. Why can't we do it that way? We've always done it this way. We've always done it this way. And that's the way it has to be. Fuck off. Mm. I just love it. I think it's brilliant. And I think there's something to be said to the fact that you had a woman who had already had a job, had actually built up a job from nothing. She made herself, she, she was a very wealthy woman when she met him as an, as an actor. And she's, she doesn't really, you know, she comes into this family and is like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, well, listen, I'm, I'm like 35. And mm. I, I know that if I leave here, I can, I can still actually mm. pay my rent mm-hmm. and, and actually, actually not even just pay my rent, have quite a successful life. So I'm going to take him <laughs> and we're gonna go yeah mm-hmm. and he was so ready for it he was so ready for it yeah and listen if the boomers want nazi uniform wearing harry from 20 years ago sorry like that's that's the fucking thing as well he's right gone he's gone and thank god and i'm glad that this kind of flawed character actually you see him it's probably more than he deserves to have this wife (laughs) it is so i just yeah i i don't know whether i'm reading too much into it 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 spoke to my dissatisfaction and my frustration with an older generation of do you know what you i'm sick of us being told as a generation to just take it Mm. to just take it and put up with it and this is the way it is and she turned around and she said naff off it's like abuse it's like not to be too flippant but it's like it's like an abusive relationship where it's and it was an abusive relationship the press were fucking abusive and it's like all you have to do is just sit there and take it and then actually realizing no duty i have a duty to myself first and foremost before 
some fucking institution. Yeah, I think I don't think you're reading too much into it at all. Like I think in a way, the fact that the press sort of randomly named it Megxit, I don't think a huge amount of thought went into that. It was just sort of like an exit of a person, and everything's just going to be an it by the end. Sure. Of, you know, this <laughs> you're going to leave in a half an hour as a idiot. <laughs> Um, but uh, um, it doesn't work as well with no, my name, does it? I know. No, I mean, okay, fair enough. I'll just, I'll just fair enough, to editor. Do it. Yes, makes it works. <laughs> um, but it, in a way, it's a very distilled version of the same forces that went on to create the acceleration towards something like Brexit. Um, so Meghan Markle, sort of, we, we get introduced to her through especially like the royal wedding, 2018. It's this like fairy tale affair. You know, she symbolizes for a younger generation everything that the monarchy could aspire to be. You know, uh, open, diverse, intelligent, well-spoken, articulate, you know, bringing in lots of different cultures from the world through the wedding, you know, this pastor who quoted Martin Luther King having a gospel choir there her veil you know we talked about it so much in a podcast from from around the time and and it felt hopeful it felt like you know I've also only recently become sort of quite virulently republican this is something that I've only developed in the past like six months or so and I think it's partly to do with the failure of the monarchy to actually live up to those expectations mm. um so that was sort of like the youth expect expectation was that she was going to sort of breathe a new breath of fresh air into a, a rather antiquated institution that was struggling to find its feet in modern Britain and then we have the other forces which are you know very much sort of propelled by the right-wing press that is by and large, quite representative of boomer perspectives, Um, which is, you know, she is different. They don't want to say black, but Jesus Christ, they mean it. She's she's divorced. You know, she comes from America. Actor. Uh, She's an actor. They would say actress. Actress, yeah. It's actress. Um, You know, she's she's outspoken about her views, you know, but, but essentially the problem was that she was she was black uh, or she was biracial as I think we would say but like you know she symbolized to them a threat to the monarchy a threat to this fabric of an institution that they hold so dear and an institution that they want to maintain in the most traditional form possible as we go into this post Brexit post European Union you know a a little Britain that is going to be on its own and what do we have to cling to apart from something like the monarchy. And for me, like, it's just sort of another nail in the coffin. So when I saw her just come out and Harry, you know, alongside her, just come out and say, fuck you all. Yeah. (laughs) Also, oh, I'm sorry that you paid for your little cottage. Here, I'll have the money back. (laughs) Do you know what? I'm good for it. I'll I'll pay you back. I've got my checkbook. Here, (laughs) I just, I love that as well. Ask fucking Beatrice to repay her 20 grand student digs. Like, mind you, she's not leaving. <laughs> but um, Beatrice but, <laughs> but her dad is, is a, a rapist. rapist. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like... Oh, I forgot I mean, about that. I, I mean, I just, I just think it's just... We're talking about Prince Andrew here. It's just 
so perfect. Yeah, isn't the, it? the the balance, the, the symmetry of those two he events. Gets yeah. to, he gets to go and have uh, you know, Sunday service directly after after Meg's it happens. Yeah. He goes for it for a Sunday service with the Queen. It's his first public outing with the Queen since that disastrous um interview <laughs> and it's this kind of thing of like you know she's always been rumored to have him as her favorite is, son yeah, yeah. it's like she has the worst personality yeah and i think this is just so revealing of the way that she actually is because i think that she survived for so long because we can't see who she really is and who she really is is this person who is vacuous doesn't have an ideology of her own doesn't really have perspectives of her own she likes her youngest son because he went to, you know, some Scottish school in the Highlands and was very tough and brawny. And she hated her, her oldest son, Charles, because he was more intellectual. Not very, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, listen, scraping like, the barrel. Very clever. I think, I think you're right. Because I, I, I have to admit, and listen... Um, I'm definitely not getting a job working for the Royal Collection again, am I? You used but, to um, work in a palace. I worked in a fucking. I worked in two palaces, love. I um, and it's like, but it is. It is weird. It's a weird institution, and it's a weird. It's a weird institution to work for. It was great working for the institution in Scotland because no one gives a fuck. But when you're in Buckingham Palace, it's weird, and the people have weird priorities, and it's. And I do feel, and I, I feel kind of resentful in myself that I put a lot of energy into, I've never, I've never been particularly royalist or one way or the other, but I just know that like, God love my mum, you know, whenever she talks about um, Kate or, or, or Megan, and I'm happy to say that my mother comes down strongly on the side of Megan um, in, in, in uh, this story. And she always did. And I always was like, there you go. That's a good test of a boomer is that she absolutely loved Megan. And I was like, nice one, mum. But she, you know, she'd be like, oh, well, Kate's um, doing this. And it was like, we don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you know that Kate's who? Kate Middleton. Mm-hmm. This isn't my cousin <laughs> I remember I remember talking about it actually in the podcast in 2018 yeah. that Kate was always sort of like the the go-to example of how to do pregnancy and and motherhood right and um oh uh, Kate lost all her all her pregnancy weight in two weeks after the birth yeah. and I was like god Jesus Christ you know Kate Kate was struggled with morning sickness and Kate was okay so with my mum that like Kate I guess was the most famous pregnant woman in the world at the same time that I was pregnant oh, I see. and so you know any sort of story that she read about that would be then transposed Have into tried like doing... recommendations yeah, from yeah, Kate Middleton. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't really know how she feels about the whole Megan Kate thing, but I would imagine that she's you know pretty open to Megan's perspective. Yeah, um, she's a good boomer too. I think yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of we've got good boomer exactly. Moms. We've got we've got good boomer good boomer moms. Yeah, shout out to the moms. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's it's just. Yeah, especially, and listen, you just, all you need to do is look at those headlines. And I think people find it hard, don't they? When you, you know, I think most of us have seen online the comparison of the headlines between Megan and Kate. And you look at them and you look at the ridiculousness of it. What else could it be? There was the avocados. Other than it being racist. What, 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 what is it? You know, what, what else could it be? Why would she be given such vicious, it doesn't even mean we know that the, editorial you know nature of those far-right newspapers are racist 
it doesn't even mean that those individual editors are racist, but they know what their fucking readership wants and they fed into it deliberately. Yeah. It was perfect. I mean, just a couple of examples, I think, that I've sort of been reminded of in, in recent days. Um, so there was the avocado the avocados. One. Avocados, so- favourite snack, causing genocide and drought. <laughs> human rights linked to human rights abuses and drought and then when um you know in the same in the same exact same sort of sort of article link was kate was eating avocados to solve her morning sickness sickness. and prince gives duchess an avocado to cure morning sickness or just one that's gonna work it's (laughs) for a day cheers it's, it's this kind of ridiculous um you know, doublespeak yeah. in a way. And the the whole Frogmore Cottage refurbishment and there was stuff in the left wing press, I remember quite a few years back when Kensington Palace was being redone for the um for Kate and William mm. and it was costing an absolute gargantuan sum of money and, and the left wing press was rightly sort of calling out on it. But as you know, the right wing press completely silent. Sure. And then as soon as Meghan and Harry do it, somehow they're having to pay their way. It's like you change the rules. Oh, yeah, for sure. Dependent on who, who it is, yeah. Who it actually is. Like, you know, I'm sure if, if Harry had just married some classic aristocratic yeah. airhead, yeah. and that is a very brutal term, but like a term that a boomer would use, then the, there would be no question about who yeah. paid for the Yeah, exactly. Who paid for the renovation. And yeah, so there was there was plenty of that though. You know, we had pump, putting the bump front and centre, uh, yeah. and it was like, well, where where I don't know where else. I've not been pregnant. I don't, don't know. Don't cradle it. Don't cradle it. No, but that was it. That was that was the. I think that was the difference, wasn't it? It was like, oh, Megan doesn't have to put that bump front and centre, but Kate tenderly cradles her bump. Mm-hmm. You know, and th- those were kind of the the juxtapositions. And I always I always remember um, I uh, met a woman from New Zealand uh, that was uh, I took on a tour. And she brought it up towards the end in that way that they sometimes do to test what you think. They want to know what you think about something. And mm-hmm. she said, what do you think of Megan? <laughs> and I said, oh, she's, you know, and at this point it wasn't that, you know, I was like, I hadn't really thought that much about her. I thought, well, she's good, you know, whatever, you know, I'm sure she's, I'm sure she's fine. I don't really know. But I see this as a trap. <laughs> so I'm going to go in with my eyes open and I'm going to give you what you deserve. So um, I was like, oh, you know, she seems all right, doesn't she? Oh, well, she's different. And it's like, just fucking say it. Just yeah. say it. And then she said, oh, well, I just love it. I just I just think Kate's wonderful. And it was like, you, you know you can like two women at the <laughs> same time. Uh, and she had two daughters, and I kind of wanted to be like you. I presume you like two of them, um, but about or both of them. And um, and then at the end, it was like oh, I just I just think Harry's so wonderful. The uh, you know implication being he's too wonderful to have a black wife. Yeah. And you just think, oh my god! And you know, these aren't evil, evil people saying this shit. But it comes from an evil fucking place. Yeah. And they revel in those newspapers and that filth. And they allow themselves to take it in every day. And it just it's just poisonous. They you're, drove you're, you're, her you're, out. Exactly. They drove her also, out. you got what you fucking wanted. This has given you fodder for years now. You know, and tragically, I don't know if it will make that much difference. It will do. I'm sure distance makes actually quite a lot of difference. But you just think like this has given you fodder forever this is what you you presumed she would do yeah. and it's the weird kind of gaslighting of like 
oh, you'll never survive here. Mm. And actually realizing you don't have to put your head down and survive. You can turn around to a situation and be like, I don't have to survive here. Yeah. I'm fucking off. Yeah, and I think it's, I think one of the sort of interesting things is that in terms of the comparison between Megxit and Brexit is that it's sort of similar forces um, pushing in this sort of like anti-modern, like, old school like bring back traditional values but what they mean is sort of like white supremacy and colonialism and sort of an imperialist mindset but they are whilst whilst doing that they are also threatening the future of institutions that they hold dear yes so for instance like this whole mexit thing they've driven her out now they've gotten what they wanted they've driven her out of the royal family but at the same time, they've also made us look at the royal family in a way that we hadn't before. The breakdown of their finances, where Meghan and Harry get their money from, is fascinating. You know, about, um, I think about only 2% of it, something comes from the public purse. So that means that over 90% of their money comes from Charles. Yeah. So we have to think, wow, Charles is really He's wealthy. Loaded. He's got a lot of money and he gets it from this duchy of cornwall or something and he's going to get another duchy on becoming king and become even more loaded and if you're gonna start threatening that you know them saying oh they're just a bunch of you know privileged uh spoiled brats then you're undermining the very institutions of aristocracy and undermining the ideology Mm. which upholds a monarchy Mm -hmm. which is inheritance Mm. of privilege and power and money things that they love and they hold dear but as soon as they've got someone who they don't like in it they're willing to rip it to shreds yeah and it's threatening the actual fabric and the ideology of the monarchy and it's making people like me who was pretty pretty ambivalent about the monarchy my entire life i even went to a you know jubileum ceremony i went to like i don't know she was like a million years in office or something <laughs> yeah. and um, 60 70 no idea. diamond jubilee <laughs> yeah. like when is that how long is that 50 uh, i think that's 50 years in office no, or I think it's 60 is it 60 I don't know it Who was like cares? it was the most recent one I think I was at uni at the time so it would have been like 2008 yeah. 9 10 yeah, yeah. whatever um but I was pretty ambivalent about it but now I and especially over the past couple of years and especially since Brexit I think that the monarchy is symbolic of of an attitude of inherited wealth and inherited privilege that is totally incompatible with our future as a democratic country and I don't think that was necessarily true for the past 75 years or so but I think that it is true now I think that inheritance and inherited privilege is now threatening the democratic fabric of our country Mm. and you know younger generations are looking at things like the monarchy and they're seeing people being driven out of it Mm. who are you know, people of colour who had the audacity yeah. to join it in the first place. And they're thinking like, this doesn't represent us. Yeah. This doesn't represent who we are. The Queen is willing to stand next to his to her paedophile son. Mm. Um but not yet not not willing to stand side by side with her daughter in law who's yeah. who's getting brutal brutalized by the British press. And it just reminds us of the way that the royal family treated Diana. Yeah. You know, they drove her out and they they allowed the British press to to follow her and to, to brutalize and to murder her. Yeah, and they just let that happen. And it's reported that Philip was happy about it. Well, the thing, do you know, what I find quite interesting as well is that you know, I kind of compare Meghan to Diana 
in a very contrary way in that I'm like, Diana was 19. She was working in a nursery. She had a lot of emotional intelligence. She wasn't like, you know, she wasn't a freaking genius, yeah? She's mm-hmm. an aristocrat. She marries in because of course, she's got a not, doesn't have a particularly nice ha- family life either. You know, and of course that's better, you know, it's better to have, you know, a, a kind of a complicit idiot, but she's one of them. You know, she she was, she's fucking, she's, she's a descendant of Charles II like Diana was mm-hmm. and and Duchess of Devonshire Duchess of Devonshire and it's like well you've got some I don't think she was Duchess of Devonshire no she was the descendant of the oh Duchess I see of sorry I beg your played by Kira Knightley of course god you love that Kira um, and but the thing is is like they did that to their own what were they going to do to this exactly woman black woman from the United States exactly what were they going to do yeah um, so it just shows how brutal that family is yeah. it's just like they don't have you know, they, they just, just hold no punches back. And do you know, I was talking to my mum about this because I have to admit, I decided, this is another reason I like January. I just like to like chill out and just, I feel like there's a weird kind of unspoken thing that you can just, I got off Twitter for a while. I wasn't following it. And usually I'm a slave to coverage. And with the Megxit coverage, I was like, oh, good for them. Read a couple of like headlines, didn't follow it much further. I heard a lot about it from my mum and we were talking about it. And I said to her, what do you think now about Diana's funeral like what do you like when you think about it because like Harry said like yeah following your mum's coffin in front of the world's press kind of like a fucked up thing to do and I said to my mum like you know my my brother is around the same age as like well in in between like William and Harry and I was like when we watched that because we all did and we all but we all were like oh gosh isn't that is as if it was kind of at the time people thought it was the right thing or they thought it was somehow some showing of sto like uber stoicism like a fanatical kind of stoicism that is so unhealthy and you realize that in that situation there isn't a proper matriarch in that family there's because a matriarch wouldn't let that happen because that's abusive to allow a child to or to not recognize don't have a 12 year old follow their mother's coffin for a mile or however the fuck long it is in front of that's vile don't have the older one to follow it that's disgusting and I said to my mom like what was that about and she was like it was Philip (laughs) Philip made them do that and I was like ah I didn't realize that he like apparently it was his thing to be like, oh yes, you know, they'll walk behind it. And it goes to show, again, the queen kind of useless mm-hmm. as a matriarch because she's a slave of a patriarchal institution. Mm-hmm. She's one of those white women who benefits, one of those white women who votes for Trump, even though it's against her own interests, but you're close to power, so stick to it. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, yeah, you look back at that and you think that was fucking atrocious. Mm. That was awful and how did anyone allow that to happen in their right minds and I'd like to think now you're in a situation where you'd be like if that were to happen they would get a lot of flack and it would be like no that's not on Mm. there wasn't a fucking matriarch there yeah and I think what you were saying about the queen um benefiting from being close to power Mm. and therefore not really like working in the best interest of even her own family members Mm. like the way that you know she forced Charles into a marriage where he didn't want to you know didn't want to be married to that woman he wanted to be married to his the love of his life Camilla and it was orchestrated in such a way that that didn't happen I think you know there is there is brutality at the heart of all of it and 
in a way, Megan's father reflects the family that she married into in yeah. many ways, yeah. you know? Like this tearing down of any kind of independence, tearing down of any kind of semblance of um, having your own mind, having mm. having fallen in love um, with a man who, you know, maybe wasn't, or maybe like isn't the most practical choice mm. for mm. Megan, but she still pursued yeah. it. She was an incredibly successful woman in her own right and falling in love with a prince of England and marrying him was perhaps like not the best career move yeah. for her yeah. at all yeah. but she did it because she was in love with him and I think that the, the royal family historically the Windsors especially historically have just just spat in the direction of love and spat in the direction of of being sort of in keeping with one's own emotions partly because the queen doesn't seem to feel any yeah. so she doesn't understand it when other people do mm. and um and 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 yeah so maybe it's like the lack of a matriarch but also like the lack of of love being at the center of decision making yeah. in in a family context yeah you know? and without it you've just got practical concerns yeah um and people getting in the way of the future of the monarchy in this traditional setting and it's it's just mad yeah like you yeah. know and it's so stagnant it's w- whenever like you know the queen refers to herself as a grandma i'm like no you're not yeah yeah like <laughs> you're yeah, a, and listen listen there's nothing wrong with not wanting to be a grandmother and not wanting to be a mother <laughs> but if you're gonna do it like do it yeah and I, I think that's it isn't it and i've always been quite reluctant to criticize her because again i have this weird like oh she thinks she's doing the right thing and you're like but you, but as you say and you say you've been watching the crown i watched the first season of the crown started watching the second season election happened couldn't handle it couldn't handle watching the fucking privilege um, and stopped we'll get back into it because i do enjoy it it is kind of exposing her as just a very average person oh deeply I think the third season really puts the nails mm. in any kind of coffin. Mm. I mean, it, deeply average, if not lacking in much intelligence yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, one redeeming quality is that she seemed to have a good relationship with Harold Wins- Wilson. Yeah. I thought Apparently. you were going to say she had a good relationship with horses and I'd be like, yeah, yeah. And she, that <laughs> that I mean, is good. <laughs> it's the only sort of redeeming, redeeming yeah, the only humanizing of, of her. And, and they do really, you can tell that the script writers are desperately clawing at this woman's Mm. life to portray her as interesting Mm. and to portray her as complex and even at times intelligent but it just every time falls flat because I honestly believe that there's nothing there Mm. and that's why it feels very unconvincing you know she just totally lacks a personality in in the program and um you can't respond well um, on cue yeah. like she doesn't have a sense of spontaneity and that is usually associated with lack of intelligence um, she can't act spontaneously um, she can't react spontaneously to situations that happen in Britain like at one episode she can't cry at a mining disaster where 124 <laughs> people die <laughs> oh, and you're just 24 children you know it's yeah. like 124 children die and the whole episode is about how she couldn't cry because she's a psychopath also practicality take a fucking safety pin, jab yourself in the fucking leg. Well, she like <laughs> pretended to in front oh, of these cr- uh, crowds, like apparently, 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 according to this Yikes. program. And he was just watching this and thinking like, isn't it silly? I know, isn't yeah, it, it is, so yeah. stupid? 
and the brutality enacted on the other family members as well. Yeah. Charles's relationship with Camilla, yeah. but also like her sister, um, Margaret's you know relationship with Peter Townsend, yeah. and also like her her marriage and the way that that's dealt with. It's just so mean yeah. and mean spirited and philip has a hold over her and he's not a good person he's awful and he's you know he's tried again the program tries to portray him in a really good way but again the substance isn't there and therefore like it's very difficult yeah. to do that so i just think the whole thing is like i think we are finally seeing through the veneer through a program that's supposed to be you know monarchy appraising mm. but actually comes out as monarchy demoting mm. and also through you know the the view or the eyes of 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 a woman like Meghan Markle who yeah maybe symbolized a, a monarchy that could change and could adapt but actually no nah, and that's it isn't it and that's that's such a good point because it's like you tried and it, it doesn't work it because doesn't work. fundamentally mm. this isn't right and also point on the crown I've just realized when I'm watching it I'm the only reason I'm re- interested in the character is because of Claire Foy because mm-hmm. I just, I fucking love Claire. Yeah, but she has to work really she hard does, at but, acting. But when to I, make I, I realize when I'm watching it, and afterwards I think about it, and then I think, and I'm like, oh, that's the queen, and it makes you realize that you're like, oh, I'm I'm actually only interested. She's yeah, she's actually having to work really hard to be boring. <laughs> but yeah, as a family, as an institution, yeah, failed on both fronts. Mm. And um, I guess another parallel between Mexit and Brexit is that um. Britain in a way today with its generational divide like politics is now more defined by generation than any other factor mm. generation Ugh. is almost the new class yeah it's as defining as as any other factor age will determine more who you vote for than anything anything else and I think I think I put it as those who work and those who don't and that's essentially like the divide in our country is those who actually work for a living and those who just live off of savings, pensions, you know, the goodwill of other people who don't want them around for much longer. Um, but Britain in a way is behaving like a dysfunctional family where we are unable to break break the bonds of an older generation who wants us to put up yeah. and shut up. Yeah, You know, we're going to put you through Brexit. And we're going to put you through whatever we decide to put you through. Climate change. You think that's your issue, do you? Well, we're going to deny it as long as we live. Mm. And we're going to live for longer than you have to sort out the problem. And as long as we live and we can vote, we will stop you from solving the problems of today and of the problems of the future. And it feels like a very abusive parental-child relationship where the parents have suffered maybe they i mean we say boomers got everything and they did economically speaking socially speaking they really were the generation that benefited most from the post-war settlement but they also were brought up by a generation who didn't believe in loving their children so i think that like in a way that generation perhaps was abused when they were young i mean i know both my parents had horrible relationships with their parents and deeply dysfunctional relationships where none of them really ever felt totally loved or i think if they did it was not it wasn't prioritized yeah and i yeah you know not to not you know my my mother and grandmother you know like my mum has said that to her you know 
her grand her mother was everything and she she still loves her children and her grandchildren more than anything and will do absolutely anything for them but she has no sense of solidarity and that stops at the door so yes you love your children and your grandchildren but that's it because also that is not prioritized in the wider world Mm. you know the love of your children and your grandchildren that's what you do as a woman and as a mother but keep it behind closed keep doors, it behind please. closed doors yeah and that's not and that's and that's it isn't it is you're supposed to put up and shut up because they have to and that's what they want to say and that's one of the frustrating things i find with having a conversation sometimes with my grandmother about feminism is that they're almost kind of angry through envy because they're like we had to put up with it so you do mm. and i hope to god if i would ever get to that point I would feel like I want my children and grandchildren to have have it better. Isn't that the point? That's what my mother says. But for a certain generation, not necessarily generation, but I think for a certain, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Like a certain person, it is like, it is a man's world and you have to deal with it. And I did, you know, and, and it's a lack of solidarity that we just saw in the election. They have bred out solidarity of of the older generation that never would have voted conservative how has this happened that you have no solidarity in the north Mm. how is it that you have fucking miners voting for the conservatives how has this happened you've bred out solidarity for other people for the working people and it's a variety of different things it's not simple i don't know how we're going to deal with it moving forward you know the press doesn't help i don't know did you see um did you see the bbc uh, that little the trad wives thing no so this was this was a this was a topic so um the bbc put up a little clip it's called trad wives and for anyone who's into traditional irish music it's not like you know a, a, a troupe of, of of traditional you know panpipe playing uh, you know violin playing irish music women um it's uh, the idea that you are completely submissive to your husband and blah, 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 blah. There was a little clip of this woman who was like, I've gone back to being a housewife back in the good old days when all women were at home. Never been the case. <laughs> the working class has always existed for thousands of years yeah. of women in the workplace, yeah. by the way. Mm-hmm. But going back to, okay, the 50s, if you were economically sound, um, I submit entirely to my husband. I stay home. He gives me allowance, blah, blah. But halfway through I the video, of this. halfway yeah. through the video, mm. she goes, it's not a third Reich thing. <laughs> and you're like, oh, if anything was going to make me think this was a third Reich thing, it's you <laughs> saying, this is not a third Reich thing. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, girl. Strength through joy. Thank you. Oh, gosh. Strength through joy. So, but after all said and done, after we've said all that, I just, I'm just proud of Megan. I'm just happy for her. I still think after everything that's happened that she is showing us a new path and new- she's showing she's showing us a new way forward. And the fact that Harry has gone through such an incredible transformation through her love is 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 just staggering. And I think that he and her together are inspiring Britain to be, yes, imaginative, which is a word that I think you used earlier. I'm sorry, I know that you used it earlier and I thought it was brilliant when you used it because that's what we need. We need an imagination. We need imagination in order to you know, really tackle the massive problems that we have at yeah. this time. And rather than sort of focusing on nitpicking and shredding people to pieces for eating an avocado 
or for while you know, cradling black. a baby bump <laughs> while being black. black. <laughs> instead, we should be saying it's the new driving whilst black. You know, how do we change our society to be? you know combative against extreme levels of inequality and how do we change it in a way that's going to help us solve the climate crisis yeah how that's it isn't it we don't have time we don't need to think outside the box to wait for this generation to let us go Mm. to let us go like just let us go and let us try to to build a future that is good for us because you're not gonna be in it Mm. you're not gonna be in it and like, that's sad. And I want to be sad about the death of that generation, but I'm not right now. I'm fucking angry with them and I want them to let us go. And I wish people of the older generation would stop asking me when I'm going to have children, when you <laughs> fucked up the planet. Yes. Yeah, oh, are you going to have a baby? <laughs> no, I don't want to see them die in a fiery hellscape. That, that would just be too much for me. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. You just always seem to forget that I have one whose future is not rosy. But you know, I'm doing all I can. But we we have a theory, right? That he's, Rebellion. No, he's going to save he's us gonna, all. From he's very change. clever. He's deeply unlikely to occur. I think he's going to be fine. He is the Messiah. He is. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> talking about yeah, like, messianic ambitions <laughs> for my two-year-old. <laughs> Oh, he's put in the circle in the square. Oh no, no. He's deeply average. He's shit is pants like, again. Spoiler alert. He's deeply average. Well, but to be honest, they're growing up without with maybe them growing up without a lot of like without a lot of hope is actually going to be like, well, there's always hope, right? Come there's on. At the end of the day, there's always hope. No, there's Cynicism's always. only going to get us so far. Um and and yeah. This generation divide gives me hope. Because it's not the young people who are responding in a brutal way. It's the old and they're not going to be around And demographically, yeah. They haven't invented eternal life. Yeah, they haven't, yeah. Thank God. Well, well, it would, you know, involve like, I don't know. It would involve like probably free healthcare and like, I don't know. And we should, I mean, we shouldn't get into the US election. But like, you know, you're looking at candidates and you're like, actually, two of the oldest candidates show imagination. And they're showing like solidarity. That's true. And you're like, Which okay. Ones? Warren and Warren Sanders. and Bernie, yeah. yeah. And you're like, mm-hmm. Warren and Sanders, sorry. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, like use that imagination mm-hmm. because you were, the, you were some of the people that kind of like, yeah, there was the odd person who was great, who still has solidarity. But yeah, as a voting block, you guys aren't helpful. <laughs> oh, that was exhausting. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was epic. Yeah, but I don't know. It I, feels honestly like a good way to start the year. I thought we were just gonna. I thought we were gonna have a bit of banter about Mexico. It got so it deep got so, so deep. quickly. Yeah, got I've so been deep. shouting. Poor Alex is like sat out there. Like I've oh been, my god, I've been nearly in tears. Yeah, I know. And, and listen, I'm glad. Some, yeah. I'm glad. There I'm glad. Some... I need to stop hitting the table whilst recording. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm really glad. This has been great. I love. I love January. I'm hopeful. Listen, all the best, Britain. <laughs> have a lovely Friday and welcome to the 2020s everyone else welcome let's to the 2020s get work done. let's get something done <laughs> on the Twitters still at Sistrionics on the Facebooks still Sistrionics on the Instagrams uh, please subscribe uh, we're also on the iTunes on the SoundCloud um, give us a listen let us know what you think what are you, is anyone excited about 2020 why are you excited tell us tell us why you love Megan <laughs> <laughs> I pledge allegiance 
to Megan. <laughs> Canada. To Canada. Okay. <laughs> also find fun. your nearest Canadian embassy. Yeah, guys. exactly. This has been Sistrionics. Sistrionics.